Hello and welcome to Tiny Embers. This is season one and episode two. Today we're going to be talking about numeracy and maths in this episode, our experiences of how we've kind of engaged with maths as we've been sort of growing up and learning ourselves, but also what we think about maths in education and the barriers that people possibly face going forward. So again, I have with me Nicola Lybird and Jamila Hussain. How are we feeling about today's topic? Nicola, are you, are you keen on maths? Is maths your kind of thing or does maths make you feel oh. a bit eek? No, I love maths. Maths is my favourite. Is it? Yeah, it is indeed. Uh, and I feel uh, the general consensus is that maths is a bit like Marmite. You either love it or you hate it. Mm-hmm. That's what it seems to be in our household. Yeah, I think that sounds pretty fair. I think it's uh, it's one of the things that I think makes people stay awake at night and have nightmares about, potentially. Uh, Jamila, what about you? How do you feel about maths and numeracy? I, uh, I also love maths. I do. I love maths. I love teaching maths too. Because um, ah, yeah. both of you actually teach yeah. maths, don't you, as a subject? So you obviously don't have some of the fears that people do experience I know I know myself a lot of people I've spoken to they do have a lot of fear around maths they feel quite sort of self-conscious and they do kind of struggle with when they're kind of put on the spot I mean if we go back and talk about our experiences growing up with maths that might be quite an interesting way to kind of look at how we've kind of engaged in it I remember when I was young um I didn't like maths. I found it quite a struggle. I think it was the way I was taught. I remember early primary school, we used to have to go in and do our times tables and used to have the whole list of all of the times tables on the wall, one to 12. And every time, every week, you would know that you're going to do one of your times tables and one and two and 10 and 11, all of those, absolutely fine. I know, I was thinking about it the other night, actually. And um, I think now, six, seven, eight... I would still feel a little bit like, mm, if someone asked me, nine, I I would have felt the same with nine if someone hadn't taught me the finger method. Do you know the finger method? <laughs> yeah, Where yeah. if you've got 10 fingers, if you put one finger down as you go, you basically can do the answer in your fingers and that like saved my life. But we used to have to stand up in front of the class and recite our times table. One, eight is eight, two, eight. And like, it used to fill us with dread. What was, did you have similar things growing up yourselves? Um, yes, I think structure was pretty similar in terms of uh, learning the times tables. Um, but I, again, just loved it. Loved everything about maths. It's my go-to subject. I, I like, it works for me that there is a, not a maybe answer. Mm. Like with English, I like that there is a right or a wrong answer. That's it. No <laughs> in-between, no grey area. If you get it wrong, you get it wrong until you get it right. <laughs> the same for you, Jamila. Um, well, we, the reason I love maths is because we had the most amazing maths teachers at primary school who made our timetable learning. It was just a, a little story and we didn't even realise we were doing maths. The ninth timetable one, my teacher just told us this fabulous story about all the numbers and then 
this man got it all wrong and he wrote the numbers backwards and that was the 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 11 times table nine times table whichever one and then at, a, at secondary school we had the most amazing math teacher mm. i think she'd gone to cambridge i think she was the only person at that time who'd gone to cambridge and she was a genius but she just had this magic of breaking things down and she was always tell a story and we've all been, we've been so mesmerized with the story that we'd actually forgot there was maths involved. And we were, we just, she was amazing. I'm just, I'm, and it was the teachers that made it amazing. It's really interesting you say that because I, I used to hate maths. And then, like my, my family, my dad always used to say that my mum was really, really good at maths. She had a really good, good maths brain. And so I used to feel this pressure of like, oh, you should be able to do this. It's, you know, and that whole kind of rules answer thing. And I think it's possibly that logical creative side of the brain and what you kind of tune to more but I remember I left maths and obviously I was you know I wasn't kind of struggling I think I was in the highest set to my mind but I kind of I always did not enjoy the experience then when I went to university I actually studied um, management and they put us through calculus and queuing theory and all of these kind of mathematical models and all of economics and all of this stuff where we're using a lot of formulas and that's when I loved it that's when I really got to grips with it and it did feel like you can be taught it in a way that really engages you or puts you off for life possibly I mean I had a I loved my maths teachers until I got to like what is now year nine mm. Uh, and then I had probably the worst teacher in the school period. Um, and, um, yeah, completely disengaged from it, math. Uh, but because I naturally was okay, it, it didn't stop me from passing it at GCSE. Um, so I was quite lucky. But I, it, for the last two, two and a half years of my schooling, I participated minimally in mm. school in maths uh, so I do think it's massive what teacher you have and tutoring maths a lot of the children who I work with uh, as a maths tutor usually there a lot of their issue is uh, engaging with their teacher and understanding what their teacher is saying to them this is um this is one issue that I had to face when I was teaching um the, the trainee teachers it was because there was this one paper i think that's been published um that says that children very very young children have maths anxiety just one published one publication one small study and it's like oh well all, all children in primary school all five-year-olds have maths anxiety and and it's just absolutely ridiculous it's like when you're teaching very very young children shapes and space and all sorts of abstract ideas they we don't have to label it. We don't have to say this is maths and you need to have the anxious about it. And it's a completely different mindset now. Uh, you've got children, 30 children in reception on year one, and it's, oh, no, we can't teach them. We said, we've got maths anxiety. Well, no, they actually haven't. You're the one who's probably got maths anxiety for teaching them. And that is what is coming through schools now. We are already saying, oh, the children have got maths anxiety. But we've got absolutely no evidence for it apart from this one study. In terms of... It is the teaching of it, again, possibly like we were saying last week, I find is a lot more in-depth than when we were at school. It, in terms of all of the mechanics of the math, 
they're learning very young. I, th- I just think, you know, this term that's been used, overly used, this maths anxiety term, I think it is actually being used as an excuse because if you just teach a subject without labelling it, it's, you're just teaching, it's just teaching. You don't have to say, oh, right, we're doing maths today, we're doing counting today, we're doing time. You just teach, this, oh, we're measuring heights, or we're weighing each other, or we're measuring some ingredients. It's like, why do you have to put this, why do you put all these labels do you not think though that it is quite uh because so much has to be evidence now because part of i know that a lot of the stipulations for um inspections although it may change but they want to be able to they want don't they say that they want the child to be able to demonstrate or know what they're learning so i suppose that's why it becomes quite in depth now we're doing english and this is in, and now we're doing maths, and this is maths. So, as a as a teacher or in schools, you you perhaps can't get away with it anymore. Just doing the action, can you? Because you the, the children are supposed to be able to say, which is a bit poor. Because someone of five really having to say, okay, we're going to do English, and then we're going to do maths. If someone comes in and asks them, it's quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah, but we don't, you know, when we're teaching English, we don't say, oh, this percentage of learners have dyslexia and this percentage of learners have this and this percentage of learners have that and, oh, we've got English anxiety. So why do we do it for maths? Is this term being thrown around for maths? It's okay to say, well, we're going to be measuring height, or we're going to be doing weight, or we're going to be doing, I don't know, the circumference of a triangle, not the triangle, the circumference of a circle. It's okay to, be, to say the learning outcome because the children need to know what they're learning. Do you think they do enough to relate it to the real world? Like, I think they do when you're young, but I seem to have lots of conversations with people where they're kind of like, you know, I get the point of me knowing Pythagoras' theorem, I'm never going to use it, and blah, 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 blah. And I think people don't actually realise that, you know, and because a lot of people aren't necessarily going into trades and stuff like that, the application of it to measuring physical objects is not used as much, but I don't think they do enough about how else you're going to apply. I, I use a lot of maths and stuff in data analysis and things like that and the kind of work that I do, but also kind of shops and paying for things and working out budget and all of dealing with your mortgage and things like that, all of that stuff. I don't think people have that connection, do they, so much? No, and I, I think that's where they lose interest as well. If maths is not the subject that you want to do, certainly in schools, uh, secondary school and in the exam, there's a huge proportion of the exam really that you don't you're not going to use again unless you're going into that line of work why uh, uh it's been particularly difficult with my eldest who's doing their gcfes um because I, when she asks the question when will i ever use this again i've got to remember cosine tan and sine well you won't actually because what you want to do is highly unlikely yes you will uh, need to be able to budget no you won't use pythagoras uh, and there's a lot of other things that you won't use so it does make me wonder mm. but there's a lot of maths that we do use so i'm just going to give two examples so one example is that whenever uh, my partner makes uh, the cheesy sauce he sleeps when he's making a roast dinner he has to get a jug out and he has to measure three mils of, of milk Every single time I say 300 mils of milk is just a, is a mug, 
So I've measured it as a mug. So you don't need to use a measuring cylinder, just a measuring jug, just measure it out as a mug. He does it every single time. He says, no, no, the packet says 300 mils, 300 mils. Because there isn't that connection, but you don't have to use a measuring cylinder because it's the same volume if it's that mug. And secondly, I, um, I just had to replace a little bit of lino outside the bathroom. It's approximately one meter by two and a half meters. So I knew which area I needed to get approximately. And the same with any approximation, if you need a new rug, if you need um, a new carpet. But those relevant facts aren't taught in context. The approximations and the reason why you need to use surface area, they're not. If, you, if I need to get some blinds on my window, people are not saying, well, what's the surface area, what's the length, what's the width? Not oh, and that's it doesn't become relevant. I, I feel like you can relate anything um, of the basic things of maths addition, multiplication, uh, subtraction, and division. But and like you say, surface area, basic shape is when you get into simultaneous equations and trigonometry mm. that it becomes a bit so all these children are potentially spending time trying to learn about trigonometry and um, simultaneous equations and algebra who aren't necessarily going to use maths again in their life and they yeah. could be spending more time in these areas where they are going to use it in everyday life if every child who left school could understand the the impact of budgeting mm -hmm. and tax mm -hmm. and uh, things that interest, interest rate, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that would serve as much more uh, in life than Absolutely. the two years we spend trying to get our head around trigonometry and algebra. Uh, there's some, some equations in algebra that they have to remember for an exam that they will absolutely never use again. Never. Never. I, I remember doing my A-level maths. I literally spent a whole entire weekend trying to solve a differential equation problem. And my brother would come down and I'd do it in two minutes. I've never used it again since 18, ever. I've never used a differential equation again. But do you ever wonder, like, because weird things will come up. Like, I use a, uh, in a, I'm in a job now where we did a lot of stuff around statistics in psychology. We didn't learn it through maths, but we learned about statistics in psychology. And I use a lot of kind of normal distribution and looking at outliers to kind of, and using those kind of concepts when you're doing data analysis and stuff is really useful to kind of understand that. But it feels like you get taught the fundamentals of maths which and it's it's completely disconnected from how you're going to apply it later in life but are children at a point where they can have that kind of understanding because it's not going to be relevant they're not going to need to know you know the lino size or carpets or how to work out their interests it's not going to be relevant to them at this stage so I don't know what gets taught at the moment. Do they try and apply that to things that are relevant to children? I remember it used to be about pocket money and things, didn't it? They used to try and get a bit in. If you, Johnny buys these apples and swaps these and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Exam, exam questions can be if, if such and such, but like it's usually if such and such bought 17 tickets to the park for people or adults and... 13 people which children this is the price of adult ticket this is what mm. the total cost was work out how much it was for a child's ticket so but in within that 
you can potentially come you can potentially make up an equation mm. to try and help you find the answer but even in making up an equation you, you you're still using the simple functions of math mm. divide mm. add take away multiply so you're still going back to the to the simple functions i'm not even necessarily in answer to what you said i'm not even necessarily sure that bothered if it relates to real life mm. um it just tends to be more, can I do it or can't I? I mean, there's been some things in tests because Shayla uh, did test math so much. There's been some things just to get a, a certain grade in a test where I've literally explained to her, answer this question like that. If it says this, you do this. If it mm. says this, the answer's this. And if mm. it says this, the answer's this. There's no mathematical thinking in that. I'm literally able to say to her, if this question comes up, with mm. different numbers, if it, mm. if it asks the question like this, it's this answer. If it asks the question like this, it's this answer. So I'm not sure what purpose that serves anyway in terms of testing. Mm-hmm. I think if you can, if you can add, multiply, if you can add, multiply, divide, and subtract pretty speedily, and using a bus stop method for long multiplication and long division. I'm not, and, and analyse statistics. What's so the bus think, stop method? Like, I, there's different ways they do maths now, isn't there? How there, there we used is, to do it. That's, so I find that baffling. What is it you now? Have column, you have column addition and column multiplication, don't you? So that's yep. where you're using tens, hundreds, unit, uh, hundreds, yep. tens, unit. Uh, long multiplication, you split it into two. Long division, it goes into two as well. Mm. Um, but there are... There are many more ways of working things out. So what they do now is they will break, which I also think confuses some children. There are many ways to learn these things, but sometimes also they um, teach children five different methods of doing something. So a child can grasp a method and then they start going into another method and they lose track of how to do it because they're getting confused with all the different methods. Mm. So there's a lot of time spent there. I, I think there's a lot of kind of stress for children around maths. I, I mean, I remember it, it was a sort of stress-inducing thing. And it, I, don't, I, mean, I don't have dyslexia or anything like that where, you know, sort of... Is it dyslexia where it's numbers as well as letters? They kind of... It's hard it's to hold on to them that. and order and stuff like that Mm. all you really really need is the four basic operations because you can work out percentages on your division you can work out all sorts of things that you need for everyday life and the thing that gets me i have never used ratios and probability until now in time to see if which football team has greatest odds of winning or which horse is the greatest odds of winning that's the only time in my life i've ever put applied ratios and probability that's it. I think that would be so, relevant to children, though. I think they'd like that bit. Like, I think if you can say this is where you use it in normal life and what kind of, you know, it's things that kind of would be relevant to them. I mean, I know that for some of the people we've dealt with in the past in different kind of schemes and projects, like that level of stress around learning and formalised learning and that build up of things like, I'm talked about sort of times table, but anything where you know you're going to school and that day you're going to have to do something or study something that for you is a real kind of mental block. I think 
can really kind of push towards that dis like disengagement from all of learning and just that feeling stupid thing. I think a lot of children feel stupid trying to learn a thing that is brand new to them because of the way it's kind of it's addressed with them. Yeah. Yeah, where it's taught and where it's addressed. And so many schools now up and down the country are using these different schemes for maths, like White Rose. Have you heard of the White Rose scheme? No. What's that? Have you heard of that? Yeah. It's just like everything has to be done in a very prescriptive way. Every single topic has got PowerPoint and this is how everyone's going to be taught. And it just doesn't allow for people who children who have who are not at the levels that they need to be at so there's really a lack of differentiation unless the teacher differentiates and it's like an it's, it's supposed to be it's it's called the mastery approach because it's supposed to be oh well we're teaching this and everyone's going to have a go at achieving it but it doesn't allow for that differentiation that's the they're the ones where because it shows you so many different methods it can get confusing to somebody who knows so in a classroom like with the white rose you can be doing a topic for a week but on the first day somebody's got the method from the method that they use but throughout the week they learn another four methods for Mm. the same thing so then by the end of the week they're confused Mm. so it's like well I've got it there but you've confused me by giving and I feel like if it could be picked out like okay you've got it you stick to that method you don't have to know the other method Mm. who hasn't got it from this method let's try some of the other methods I I think that would be much uh, more beneficial to the individual and that's how it should be and I I just think you should you should teach to meet the needs of the children if a children understands how to do an operation then why are you teaching them six other operations if they know how to do it what's your favorite bit of maths to teach then what do you find you can teach easily and children really get something from and engage with i think it's different and i think it depends how you do it my aim is to try and make it fun um especially when they're younger Older, I just try and be a bit more realistic. Look, like, I, look, I know you don't get it or I know you don't like it, but what are you going to need it for later on? So ultimately, everybody has to get a GCSE. For Shola, my eldest, it's been, if you don't ever want to do it again, I suggest you put all your effort into getting it in school so you don't ever have to think about it again other than basic everyday math that you need in your job. Um so that's how I approach it. But for kids, for younger children, definitely uh, trying to make it fun. Um, and you hit the nail on the head, Lizzie, because the most common, commonest times tables are six and eight. Mm. They're the ones that take people the longest to recall. Mm. Uh, six, eight, sometimes sevens. Well, for, from an early year's point of view, an early year's perspective, everything is hands-on. And so it's all about shapes, what shapes you see, how they're relevant to everyday lives, the children can name the shape and um, weight. And um, also everything is done in a practical way. So it's a hands-on experience. It's all concrete objects in the early years. And that is the shape of a tree, the shape of a house, the shape of 
a chair, anything, any, any mathematical geometry, symmetry in terms of measure, comparisons, uh, which one's taller, which one's smaller, which one's wider. This is all comparisons, this is all similarities and patterns. And then all of our outdoor concrete objects is then supposed to go slightly more into the abstract. You still have some initiatives in key stage one, uh, year one, year two, and they're supposed to go from your actual to having um, manipulatives and then going completely abstract. So that's supposed to be the approach. Some children need resources and manipulatives further on, but for young children, for uh, early years, it's all about the real world and what is out there. It's interesting because I was just thinking whilst you were talking about that, about trying to use it in the real world. And I was thinking when... Um... When I've used it sort of later in life, when I've actually done stuff like um, when we were cutting trees down, um, you needed things like you you need to file a chainsaw and you need to file it at a particular angle when you're filing the teeth of a chainsaw, sort of, you know, the string that goes around the blade of a chainsaw. You file a particular angle so that you're getting the teeth kind of at the right sharpness. You need kind of angles as well. When you're cutting a tree down, you used to have to stand at the base of a tree and you look up and you need to look at what the mass of the crown is and where you think it's going to go and plot your escape routes, looking at your angles and things like that behind you. And I think some of those things, like, it can easily be translated into a natural situation, a real world kind of thing where, you know, if you get this right, it's the difference between you, you know, living and dying <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. But it, it's yeah. it's that kind of thing. And also you're looking at volumes and angles and stuff if you're putting up tents and you want it to kind of support the weight of a structure that you're building it's it's that kind of thing where I think you know it it can be brought into forest stall kind of settings because I, I was thinking the other day whether these real subjects actually do translate into that situation and they completely do it's about how you kind of address it with people I mean you obviously wouldn't want to start with saying today we're going to learn about maths to do with this tree but it yeah. can be those conversations you have with people and the way yeah. you're talking about yeah. making it fun. Sorry, yeah. God. And, you know, before we had uh, digital clocks and uh, we had um, all of the, the, the sundown, the shadow and the angle of the shadow mm. to tell what time it is. So you can make everything relevant. It's just, it depends on your own subject knowledge. That's mm. the downfall. People, if, even if you do it in the opposite direction as well, like you're saying, you don't point out this math. I've worked with young people who are um, out on the streets making money, selling things, and I, I don't know anything about maths. Mm. Well, I've just heard you have a conversation and <laughs> you've displayed that you know absolutely matters about maths in terms of you are selling something for a profit and making money and saving it and going to buy. And so you are using those skills all the time to a degree above what I think you believe you're capable of. Right. Any any sort of, uh, any final things you want to do? Otherwise I'll go and do a bit of a whip round on that. Anything you think we've not covered? Yes, yeah, six eights. Six eights, I don't, I'm still not going to know that. I don't know it. If you start asking me times table questions and I'm just going to stop talking to you, like if you start going, what's eight eights and stuff, I'm just going to like throw books at you. So I don't need them in my job or like, I don't need any of those timetables. I've got an iPhone that helps me. 
I, I would like to say one thing. I would just like to say that if we stopped using the term maths anxiety and stopped using the word maths and just taught children in the real world, real world concepts, and I think we'd get a lot more productive learning um, from our children. Mm, I think maybe we could relate it to how we would use it again. Yeah. You know, before we teach a topic, okay, this is the topic that we're going to do. This is where we use this in in everyday life. What do you do at home that involves this? What do you do at home that involves this? Um, I think that'd be a, a really good way as well. Mm. Even yeah. I mean, especially that would probably make it more fun for uh, younger children. But for older children, it would at least show them some kind of relevance as to why they are learning this information. You know, a simple thing like buying a house where you put a deposit down, uh, so you buy a house, you say 200,000, you put 20,000 deposit down, how much are you left owing? How much are you going to pay over 25 years? What's the interest? Like my daughter, my youngest daughter, didn't could not understand the concept of a mortgage. Like she doesn't know what a mortgage is over a long period of time. I, I only know that because of my mum, but can you remember either of you relate it like, relating it to life and understanding no. it like for example my my daughters uh, it's only been the last two years really really truly understood okay uh, it, this is how much it costs for rent each month if i move out to rent this is how much it costs for rent okay and uh, this is how much bills cost so then they're like okay so we'll never be able to move out it's going to take us ages to learn, earn that amount of money but i can't remember the first point where i have knowledge can you guys remember no and also can i just quickly i just want to quickly say something we were talking about volume earlier on in terms of filling your car and how much a liter a liter of petrol costs yeah i only can i can only visualize it with a liter of milk a liter of milk costs this much this much this much and you're putting liters and liters and liters in your car and it's like oh it's just gone up by 20p 30p 40p and it's like how can you relate that to something that makes sense when you're putting 40 or 50 litres in? We need well, to say, well, this is how much it is. They're the things that they could be relating it to in the lessons in terms of, I mean, I couldn't tell you. I understand what it means, but I couldn't tell you how many litres my car holds and how mm-hmm. many litres it does for the gallon. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to work out how much I'm going to spend on petrol each month but they're the things that are relatable to yeah. teenagers. Okay, you can start, you can apply for your license when you leave school. Are you going to be able to afford a car? This is how much it costs for a car. This is the interest rate. This is how much you're going to have to pay back if you don't pay it straight away. This is your tax. This is how much petrol, how many sure. litres to the gallon does the car do that you want. So, yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's got to be much more relatable to real life. Real life, absolutely. Okay, well, what I'll do is I'll I'll just go around the room and I'll just see if anyone has any final thoughts. But I think that's uh that's us for numeracy and maths. Do do we call it maths, math or mathematics in this country? That's the only other burning question I have. Usually, mathematics or numeracy, isn't it? So I thought it was math. This is Americans that just say math. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, before we get on that. 
Uh, right. So, all right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your contributions today. I think that's been a really interesting discussion. So have we got any final thoughts? I'll just go around the room. Any final thoughts, any takeaways that we want to kind of leave people with at the end of this episode? Jamila, I'll go to you first. Well, I would just like to say that although I I love maths, I've always loved maths in my whole life, I still don't understand stocks and shares. I don't understand how that works. Um, so if I was taught it at school or somebody in my life said, this is how it works, maybe I would have a little bit more money than I do now because I don't know anything about <laughs> stocks and shares. <laughs> Nicola, what about you? Love math, love math, love math. <laughs> I find it really surprising actually because I think the the image we're always given is that boys are really really into maths and all of that logical stuff and girls are always creative I think that's the thing that always seems to be kind of drummed in so I think it's really great to see that both of you have such kind of positive opinion and positive approach to math and learning it I'm going to call it math just for a bit of bit of spice bit of American spice but uh yeah I, I would say that for me, it was a it was a tricky subject kind of growing up and one that did kind of push me away. But I'm glad that I came back to it later in life because I think it it is something that you do use every single day, whether you kind of realise it or not, whether you're making a recipe or whether you're filling up the car, as we've talked about. And um, yeah, I think it's it's a shame that the way that it's taught and the techniques are things that can kind of push children away. So an interesting one. All right. Thank you very much. So my my participants, my co-hosts today have been Jamila Hussain and Nicola Lybird. I am Lizzie Gregory and that's it from Tiny Embers. Please do follow us on all social media and subscribe to our podcast and we will see you again soon. Thanks. Thanks.